Hey, and welcome to the Board Game Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm Nick Angiers. This week, I would like to tell you a bit about the live game shows that I've been doing throughout the past month and a half or so of the pandemic. My definition of a game show is that there is a host to keep the game moving forward and hopefully uh, inspire the, the players and the audience with some, some laughs and just to keep things organized. And the second part of my definition is that there is or there can be an audience. So those two things separate them from most party games uh, and games in general. So you don't usually have an audience watching a, uh, a board game or like a, a party game. But once you do, then it becomes a game show. At least that's how I see it. Uh, and also a host just helps keeps it more organized and feel more like a show. Uh, some party games require uh, like a, a moderator, but they're usually there just to keep it from falling apart and to maybe read some, some lines from the book. So they're not really like uh, an entertainer role. Anyway, so what I've been doing is on Facebook Live, uh, they added a, a new feature called a messenger room. So I'll invite some friends into uh, a room and then we'll play a game virtually and you can broadcast it live to your feed. So each week, uh, I've settled on Friday night, 8 to about 9.30ish uh, each Friday night. I'll pick a different game each week and I'll make a how to play video. Uh, I'll actually do one in English, one in Mandarin and one in Vietnamese uh, just because I had some feedback from uh, Mandarin speaking viewers who saw the how to play video and they're like, oh, that sounds really complicated, but it's really just codenames pictures, which is super simple. So I just whipped up a video. Uh, Mandarin's quite easy. Vietnamese is of course a, a bigger challenge because it's such a new language to me. So uh, I'll do some preparation for that, but I've gotten to the point where I can kind of wing it and get by. Uh, I'll have to have like a, a card of new words and, and then overall it's, still very stilted and awkward but it's great practice because it forces me to practice thinking in Vietnamese so I'll, I'll send out some of those videos each week and then uh, I'll include that in my newsletter for Monday and that'll be like the theme of the week so we'll have the the new videos and then we'll have the, the game coming up Friday night and as for how the games have been going, well, pretty hit or miss. Some games have worked really well. I'll start with those. So uh, Codenames Pictures, I always use pictures. I never use words because anyone who's not a, a native English speaker is really at a disadvantage in codenames and it can be very uh, off-putting. So I just use pictures and the clues tend to be simpler with that. Uh, and also there are fewer cards, so it's less daunting, less intimidating. Uh, and you can even play it in different languages. Sometimes um, there's a bit of confusion because a word might be a, a, a double meaning in one language but not in another, so it's best to be consistent within one language. But it just seems more approachable uh, to use the pictures version. So what I did with that was I have the XXL version, which is larger cards. They're not huge or anything, they're maybe four by four inches. But I have these foam boards and I just stuck a whole setup worth of cards 
on two sides of those boards and I had two boards and then I just put it on a, an easel and had my computer set up so that people could see all the cards and that worked pretty well. People could uh, give the clues and I could do all the hosting so depending on what the result was I would stick a, a tile on the cards. Uh, a few challenges with that was, uh, so I used them the poster putty. That worked quite well, but uh, they had trouble seeing a lot of the, the details on the pictures. So I'd have to um, move my computer closer or move the cards closer to the computer. Uh, a week or two later, I got a webcam. That would have helped a lot for that one. That was pretty fun. Just one worked really well. Uh, everyone just had to have a dry erase board or even not. Some people just shared their screen. Some people had uh, an app on their phone where they could write a word. And that one was a lot of fun. Skull also worked really well. That's like um, a bluffing game. So each player just had to have four coasters or the equivalent. One player had actual coasters with sticky notes. You know, one with a skull, three with flowers on them. Uh, a few players just had pieces of paper. <laughs> And it worked really smoothly. We played two full games in like 49 minutes. Everyone seemed satisfied, not a lot of kinks. As for ones that didn't work so well, well, we tried a couple roll and write games, uh, starting with Gone Strong Clever. That's pretty clever. And man, that was, <laughs> that was just chaos. We had, I think only three people that time, including myself. So I decided to play, which was a really bad decision because uh, I was doing so much, I was, keeping track of my own score, rolling the dice for everyone. And then uh, one player didn't have the, um, the score sheet printed out. Uh, the other player shared their screen. So I was doing my own score sheet and then one score sheet for the third player. And we got to a point where I kind of just bombed the game by confusing myself and everyone else. So I had taken a turn and then I was like, uh, did I just take two turns in a row, or was that just a really long turn? And then the other two players were like, uh, I don't know, because <laughs> you get so focused in that game. And if I had been just hosting and not playing, I would have been able to keep track really well of uh, the turns of the other players. But since I was trying to do so much at once that I, I confused myself, and then I decided to play it safe and say that uh, I probably accidentally took two turns in a row, and because I wouldn't want to win by a landslide and then be like, oh, I guess I was wrong. And we got to the end and my score was like 20% lower than the other two players. So I obviously just had taken a really long turn. Yeah, so that kind of dampened the experience for everyone. Uh, Railroad Inc. was pretty good, but oh man, we mostly did a digital. So everyone had a scoreboard in front of them and then they used paint or whatever to make the roads. But it was just so finicky, like people would be making the the roads and then not really have a, a handle of how to do it. So they'd spend so much of their time and energy just trying to like pull the lines and stretch the lines and then they had placed lines that weren't legal and it would have been so much easier if they could just take a pen and just draw it, right? But uh, Trying to actually play the game physically uh, was more work than uh, actually doing the game. 
So, yeah, that one wasn't a huge success. Okay, so overall, what I've been seeing with these is, uh, so there's a little bit of demand for playing games. People want to play games, but in the end, it's just not the same, right? Like, it's it's so much effort just to, to get through a game. Uh, we often have, like, the same three people each week, several weeks in a row. So several people that I've contacted, they've said, oh, I'm busy this week, oh, I'm busy the next week. Sometimes they're just busy every week, and then sometimes eventually they'll say, you know, I don't really want to play games virtually, which is cool. You know, I don't want to force them to. That's not that's not cool. It's not the point. The point is to create fun events that people can play while we can't play events physically. Uh, and a few people tune in to watch it live. By a few, I mean like zero, one, or 2, so very small numbers. And... Of course, more people will see it after it had been broadcast. So I'm um, thinking somewhere around like a dozen people will see it. Maybe a couple will comment. Of course, they're not going to watch the whole thing, but they see the activity. It's posted on there. So it doesn't seem like it's a, a really popular thing that's going to you know help me grow an audience. But it does accomplish a few things. So it helps me keep in contact with my current community during this weird time when I can't do my main thing of board game events. Uh, I'm also learning a lot. Like I had never done a, a live stream or anything like that. Now I'm quite comfortable with it. I have the equipment that I need, uh, better equipment than I started with. Also, a better internet connection. I started using Wi-Fi and then I uh, had two feeds going and it was just really complicated. I really streamlined it down to, you know, I just need a uh, mic and a webcam, and then uh, how to do the games, I have a better idea of. Uh, I've gotten more systematic with making the how to play videos and then pumping them out in time for the, the week, and then doing the, the live stream. So uh, we're gonna keep doing it. I think uh, it's not that much work now that I feel like I have a grasp of it. So um, this week we're going to do Balderdash, for example, which is just a, a, a simple party game where you make up definitions, you know, very, very light logistically. We might try some digital ones eventually where we each have uh, a copy of the digital one and then we can play like that. So it's more of an experimental process than anything. Uh, we'd like to get some more overseas people joining. Uh, that's one reason why I chose Friday night because it's Saturday morning throughout Asia. Uh, so far I've gotten some interest, but no actual takers yet uh, among my, my Vietnamese friends, for example, because uh, we do language exchange and stuff, so a lot of them are interested in, in practicing their English, but <laughs> overall quite shy. And um, I don't see a whole lot of potential for this. Maybe when I have a bigger audience and I can get more people to not only watch, but also play. Um, but it is good because I'm getting experience with hosting this kind of game. And it's even given me an excuse to, to make some versions of games that I can use for events. Uh, and plus, it's, it's other than with family, it's the only chance I have to, to play games throughout the week. So I think the next phase will be Continuing to do these games, but also at the same time narrowing it down to what I think will work better. 
So word games, party games seem to work where there's not a lot of logistics involved, like having to draw or anything like that. Keeping it light and fun. Uh, and then maybe once a month, go back and redo a game that seemed to work quite well. That way, many people will be familiar with the, the rules. Some people might even have played it. Uh, or some people wanted to play it, but they didn't have a chance last time. And just keep doing it until we can do real life events again. That wraps things up for this week. Next week, I'm going to tell you a bit about my giant games rentals idea that I have in the works. So that's doing like giant Jenga and other giant versions of games for weddings and companies and birthday parties and things like that. So I've got it started, but it's still in its infancy stage. More on that in the next episode of Board Game Entrepreneur. Thanks so much for listening and happy gaming.